The title of this introduction, 10,000 Joys, 10,000 Sorrows, is attributed to the 4th century BCE Taoist sage Shuang Tzu. The number 10,000 stands for unlimited. The phrase points to the seemingly countless joys and sorrows in everyone's life, how it's easy at times and difficult at times, fulfilling at times and frustrating at times, happy at times and sad at times. Life is a mixture of pleasant and unpleasant experiences, of pleasure and pain, physically, mentally, and emotionally. The Buddha's life also had its joys and sorrows. Despite those sorrows, he became the awakened one, which is what the word Buddha means. As I understand the Buddha's teachings, every moment that we engage our life fully as it is, we have the potential to awaken to a peace and well-being that are not dependent on whether a particular experience is joyful or sorrowful. Moreover, each moment is followed in the blink of an eye by another moment in which awakening is possible. I don't believe there was anything supernatural about the Buddha's awakening. After meditating for seven days and nights under a fig tree and carefully observing his experience, he woke up to what it means to be human both its stark realities and the potential it holds for us to find peace and contentment. Building on this insight, he left us detailed instructions for awakening. These instructions can be found in his teachings on wisdom, mindfulness, and open-heartedness. They are the three subjects of this book. The path of awakening is available to all of us, no matter what our religious or metaphysical beliefs are, and no matter how difficult our circumstances may be. In my own life, it has been the difficulties and struggles that motivated me to look deeply at the Buddha's teachings on awakening in order to find some measure of peace and contentment. Since 2001, the most challenging difficulty I've faced is chronic illness. In the summer of 2001, I had the next 20 years of my life planned. I'd be teaching law at the University of California at Davis, as I'd already been doing for almost 20 years. I'd continue to be active in the life of a boy in Child Protective Services, for whom I'd been appointed as mentor. I'd travel to visit my children and their families and I'd attend as many Buddhist meditation retreats as I could. Suddenly, everything changed. My husband, Tony, yes, Tony, and I took a trip to Paris. On the second day there, I got sick with what was initially diagnosed as an acute viral infection. But I never recovered, and I was forced to trade the classroom for the bedroom. In addition to leaving my profession, I had to give up the mentoring, the traveling, the retreat practice. At the time, it broke my heart. During the first few years of being housebound, I lived in what I can only describe 
as a state of shock. I couldn't believe I wasn't getting better. I blamed myself for not recovering, certain that my illness was proof of a defect in my character, and I desperately longed for the life I'd been used to. Gradually, though, I came to see that my unremitting desire for the life I could no longer lead and the blame I was directing at myself were only adding more suffering in the form of stress and anguish to the physical suffering of the illness. Inspired by the Buddha, whose teachings were waiting in the wings for me to return to, I decided to treat the illness as my starting point and begin to build a new life. From my bed, I wrote How to Be Sick, a Buddhist-inspired...